Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,259. Today's guest wraps up an entire month of women in the automotive industry here on Cars Yeah, celebrating Women's History Month. What better guest to have to cap this month off than the iconic and legendary Lynn St. James? Success is the quality of your journey. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm a revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special returning guest here on Cars Yeah, calling in from beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, Lynn St. James. Lynn, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? You bet, Mark. Always ready to go. All right. Lynn St. James has raced cars for over 40 years. She was the 1992 Indy 500 Rookie of the Year, the first woman to earn that award. She has victories at the 24 Hours of Daytona, 12 Hours of Sebring, Watkins Glen, Elkhart Lake, and set closed course speed records of over 225 miles an hour. She's an author, a motivational speaker, and was named by Sports Illustrated for Women, one of the top 100 women athletes of the century. Lynn serves as an ambassador for the RPM Foundation, a service providing not-for-profit to help advance the careers for people working in automotive restoration and preservation. She founded the Women's Sports Foundation Project Podium Scholarship for Women in Racing, where she has distributed almost $100,000 to over 10 female drivers in the past 10 years. Lynn is a lady who has changed the world, not only for women, but anyone who strives to succeed. And I'll remind our guests that Lynn was my 341st guest here on Cars Yeah! back in September 22nd, 2015. So Lynn, it is so good to have you back here. I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more about your career and your passion for racing and automobiles before we jump into the questions? (laughs) Well, thanks, Mark. It's good to be back. And uh, I really enjoy listening to your uh, podcast and getting some insights into the people that I know, some of them I know, and then there's some new ones that I don't know. So, and you've done some great things with having so many women during the month of March. Yes, it's been fantastic. Yeah, but I just feel totally blessed, to be honest, to, to... You know, many times I think when we're young and we're like, what am I supposed to do in this world? What am I all about? Who am I? Um, And, you know, we and we fall in sometimes into what society expects us to do, and that's okay. Um, And that sometimes that's the right thing for us, and we feel really good about it, and we feel in our our powerful space. But I kind of struggled for a while. I think I was always a hard worker and tried to do everything right and everything well. Um, but I always had this sort of void trying to figure out what is it that I'm supposed to really be doing in this world and that's going to make me, you know, sing. And for that, it was obviously driving cars fast, and that was not a legal safe thing to do on the highway. So fortunately, I did find that on racetracks, that's the best way to do it. And uh, so I was able to jump into racing and, and get started. And, whoa, that has been in a journey that has taken me all over the world, has taken me so many places. So I just feel like a, a very blessed human being. Well, you know, we make our own ways and it's how we do things in our life. And what I love about you, Lynn, is when your racing career ended, you didn't go away. You like ramped up. You pushed the throttle harder. And I I love the fact you're so involved in so many things. I'll tell you, my listeners, the first time I had Lynn on the show, trying to nail her down for a few moments to do a show, 
was very challenging because she's always off doing something. And the same with this one. But I thought it would be great to recap this month. And and I want to thank you because you've introduced me to so many spectacular people and especially women. Many of them have been on the show this month and many are coming because I'm not going to stop interviewing women. I'm going to keep them coming because they can, they offer so much and they more than anything like you do, Lynn, they offer inspiration for young women and middle-aged or older women to get into this industry, whatever it might be, and be involved. So as a motivational speaker, as an inspiration, as somebody who keeps on sharing, thank you very much for everything that you do. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming the success in your life. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires smoking here on cars. Yeah, Lynn, I know you love to drive, so take the wheel. Well, thanks, Mark. Well, I think if I were to try to summarize um, an inspirational quote or comment or phrase that really hits home for me, it's success is the quality of your journey. Um, It's actually the title of a book that I picked up. Um, I was in a miserable flight, delayed, sitting in on the floor, actually, in in Denver at the airport, feeling, what the heck am I doing with my life? Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of, the many, one of those many frustrating moments. And uh, I happened to pick up one of these little gift books, and and I it's the title of the book, but it was so powerful for me, and it was, it was a turning point. And so when I get caught up into the challenges of every day or the life, and a lot of people, oh, well, you're so successful, you're a celebrity, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the reality is it's the quality of my life. It's the quality of my life experiences, and I try to make every day a quality day, not just a day of checklists and, you know, getting things done and trying to figure out what, what's left. So success to me is the quality of your journey and the quality of every day of your life. You know, you've touched on something really important here, and it has to do with embracing the moment and valuing the day versus always, some people are always looking forward at that next bar, that next place they have to get, and they forget to take a breath and smell the roses, as they say, that old saying. But is that what that book is primarily about, is stopping every day and realizing, okay, what what have I done today? What am I grateful for? Most important thing. Uh, is that how that book kind of helped you on this fast-paced track of life that you've had for so long? <laughs> well, it wasn't really that way. It's, it was actually nothing, but it was every page was kind of a, it was a different sort of theme about quality life. One of them that I, I loved was called The Bliss Break. It's identifying mm. the things that bring you bliss because a lot of times we're just working our butts off and it's not always fun. And yep. and many times those are cumulative times, months, days, so no. And so I realized to take a bliss break. It, it, but some of us don't even know what brings bliss. And so yes. I, you know, you got to make a list of those things, and you got to endear yourself to them, and make sure whether it's music, whatever it is, that sort of gives you that moment of I can take a breath, you know. And and so we, she calls them <laughs> bliss breaks, and I really like that. But I think it's, you know, it's not a matter of measuring. It's it's just like I can give you an example. I just, we just came from Amelia Island, right? We were just there not too long ago. And, you know, if I, I mean, I was a judge and I love doing that. And once I get my job done and I've been able to see the cars and see the people and it's not a matter of evaluating or measuring what you've accomplished. It's a matter of assessing at the moment and being in the moment, being present. And it, and if no longer I feel I can enhance that or I can be part of that, it was time for me to leave. Sometimes you just tend to linger and, and what I call just take up space. And so I just don't like to do that. I, to me, the quality is 
to be in the moment and to be engaged. And if you can't be engaged, then it's time to move and on to the next thing or time to take a break or time to whatever. You know, it's time. Don't don't just take up space. Just be, be in the moment and be engaged in that moment. Yeah, I love that. I love the whole concept of that because I tend to do that too when I go to events. I tend to linger. And sometimes I think, you know, maybe it's time to go now and, and uh, move to the next level. But Amelia Island, what a fantastic event. Bill Warner's been a guest on the show. Chris Brewer, I mean, all the amazing people at that event. And you get to go there and participate in it. Are, are there points of time when you're at these events that you're participating in that you can take that little moment of bliss and, and pause for a moment, take a breath and go, wow, I'm here. I, I'm, I'm part of this. I'm getting to engage. I'm getting to meet so many cool people and inspire people. Do you, do you allow yourself? Is that how that book kind of helped you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I pinched myself so many times saying, am I really here? Am I really getting to do this? You know, and, <laughs> and so, no, it's always, that's, part, that's by being in the moment and being present. And, you know, you really take, while you're even doing it, you're allowing yourself and you're to enjoy it and to appreciate it. I mean, looking at some of those cars. And so it isn't just working. It's just a matter of appreciating and, and being engaged. The best word I can use is being engaged, you know, being totally engaged in the, in the experience. And, and you could evaluate it later. <laughs> you know, like on the way to the airport, I could think about all the wonderful things that I was <laughs> able to do and all the wonderful cars of the people, you know? Yeah. Important message there. Absolutely. Well, I do it every day here. I'm doing it right now. I'm getting to talk to Lynn St. James. I mean, well, I'm going to pinch myself to, right now. Ow. You have to be <laughs> able to do this because you're so engaged in every one of your interviews. And that's one of the things oh, I can compliment you on because... Well, you know, you aren't just going down a checklist of questions. You really are engaged in your conversations, and that makes, I think, your people you're interviewing, your guests, also stay engaged. Well, I sure hope so. You know, I I practice being a good listener. This job has taught me to be a better listener. <laughs> uh, maybe back before this, I wasn't. I was more of a selective listener, at least according to my wife sometimes. How come you don't remember that? Well, I choose to forget it, but... Uh, Yes, it's, you know, it, being engaged, it's really important. And I'll tell you, we could do a whole show about people that you talk to and you meet that have that, that mobile phone in their hand that are not engaged. They're always looking at it and you kind of feel like, are you even listening to what I'm saying? So, right. Or they're looking around, they're looking around, they're not really yeah, making over eye contact. Their yeah. Yep. Yep. Been there, done that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's go back in time a little bit. I know we talked about this when you were on the show before, but I have a lot more listeners now than I had back when you were on the show three years ago. Thank goodness. It's growing in over 80 countries now, which blows me away. I'd love for you to share a little bit of a story that instigated that passion you had for racing. Take us back to the time when you realized, you know what, I'm going to be a race car driver. Well, I'm not sure when I actually decided I was going to be a race car driver, sort of, but I, I think there's sort of phases. First, I got my toe in the water, so to speak, in racing by being just going to the drag races and being a fan and spectator. And then I got to actually drive my buddies. GTO in a drag race, you know, at a drag strip and and being on the line with the Christmas tree and learning how to, you know, hold the, the car in gear um, with the clutch and drop the clutch. And that whole thing was just, oh, it was visceral, you know. So that was the sort of the, a spark um, going to the Indy 5. But nothing happened after that. I mean, it was, you know, it was in the 60s. I was a teenager. You weren't supposed to be doing this stuff. <laughs> and so, you know, then it was going to the Indy 500. And seeing that spectacle and the sounds and the smells, and I mean, that was another sort of seed planted of, oh my God, this is just the amazing space to be in. And then when I moved to Florida, um, I went to the 24 Hours of Daytona, and that was the first time I'd ever seen road racing. And I, and I mean, just hearing those cars and seeing those cars go around for 24 hours and watching the brakes glow and 
And that whole experience was another new experience that, again, just resonated with me. But And then I saw, now I'm an adult, I'm a young adult, but I'm in my 20s. And and then I see that in the back of the of the grid of the 24 hours of Daytona, but the cars are still running, just looking to me just as fast as the cars in the front of the grid, were these Porsches and these Camaros and these Corvettes and, you know, kind of what I'm going to call normal looking cars, sort of. And right, street cars. Yeah. yeah. And normal people driving them, not just the superstars like Mario Andretti and Pedro Rodriguez and Mark Donahue. And so that's when I thought, you know, maybe this is something I could do as a hobby, you know, and then I found out about the Sports Car Club of America. And then I found out, well, you've got to go to driver school to get your competition license. And so after going to some SCCA races locally in Florida, in South Florida, um, I thought, hey, I'm going to try this. And so went out and bought a Ford Pinto, put a roll bar in it, a five-point signature, and I signed up for driver school. So, you know, it was just kind of following that inner voice of saying, this is the coolest thing. I mean, I, you know, I've gone to concerts and played, you know, music concerts, and I took a lot of piano lessons, but I'm not a musician. I love going to do, you know, other things, play tennis, but I, you know, it sort of, it didn't resonate. It, nothing resonated in me the way racing did. And so, I just decided to give it a try. Yeah, give it a try. Indeed, you did. Wow. What a great story. Love it. I, mean, I never do that. Lindsay James started in a Ford Pinto. I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. Well, let's take a look at some of these roads you've been traveling down and talk about a big challenge or even a big failure because you chose a career that is fraught with ups and downs. One weekend you're on the podium, the next weekend you're in a wall somewhere. You're going, what am I doing? So walk us through one of those, but more important to this story is the lesson you learned from it so that you can move forward in a positive light. So take us there, would you? After success, some success in the 80s, and you know, I was a factory driver for Ford Motor Company, and, and quite frankly, I mean, it was feeling really good. <laughs> and yeah. I was, you know, I had some, some race wins, and I was with a professional team, and I mean, things were good. I was very busy and traveling a lot and working a lot racing a lot. Um, but I was also getting older. <laughs> and so yeah, we do that, don't we? <laughs> I know. And it was like, you can't deny that day's calendar. So I thought, you know, before, and so often I would, at the end of a season or, you know, you wonder, are you going to have a next season? Is it going to keep going? You know, we, we don't have a lot of longevity in our sport for a lot of different reasons. So, but I had this inner feeling inside me that I said, I just want to be able to drive an Indy car. To me, an Indy car was the ultimate race car out there. I mean, maybe Formula One, but I didn't think I'd ever could say to myself out loud or anybody else out loud, I want to drive a Formula One car. But I could, I was around Indy cars a lot because we were, I was running Trans Am a lot and we were the support race for Trans Am. Trans Am, I mean, yeah. was the support race for the Indy cars. I was for the doing, Indy, that's right. Yeah. I was doing TV commentary for Indy cars because I was there doing Trans Am and I was working for ABC. And so I was a pit reporter. So I was around the Indy cars a lot. And I just, realized, I mean, I just said to myself, I just want to drive an Indy car. I want to know what it's like to be in what I call a perfect race car. So I would talk to a lot of people about the opportunity to be able to, someday could I drive this car? (laughs) And the one person that I spoke a lot to for a number of years, actually, over the, in the eighties was Dick Simon. And, and Dick had this sort of history for bringing a lot of rookies into Indy racing, and he was a former driver. And, you know, if you've, you should, have you ever interviewed Dick Simon? 
I would love to interview Dick you Simon. Have I have not. to interview Dick Simon. We got to put that yes. on the list. Dick is this amazing personality, and he's the most positive. You know, he you could have a drop of water in a glass, and that glass to him is half full. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's the most <laughs> nice. optimistic human being I've ever met. And he would always be so kind to me. Okay, I'll do this. We'll get it done. You know, and of course, he was also a very busy guy. And so I didn't think, I didn't know if it would ever happen. And in 1988, after um, the Tamiami race, the last IndyCar race of the season, literally mm-hmm. Sunday night, Dick called me. Hey, kid, you said you want to drive an IndyCar be at Memphis tomorrow. I'm like, holy cow. So (laughs) I didn't know there was a racetrack in Memphis, but there's a drag strip with a return route that's got like some little turns in it that Uh evidently a lot of the Indy cars have used for testing. So he was doing a a rookie test with some Italian driver, had all the cars on the trailer. It was the end of the season. So I flew to Memphis and that Monday I was at Memphis Raceway driving an Indy car. I spent the entire day and that team driving an Indy car. I mean, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. <laughs> oh, yeah. It didn't start out great because this is the first time I've been <laughs> in an open wheel, first time in an Indy car. I mean, it was, you talk about a leap. It was truly yes. a leap. But by the end of the day, I, I found out I was actually quicker than the rookie driver who was doing the rookie test. And I wasn't <laughs> oh. that far off the pace of what was considered a good test time there. And yeah. at the end of that day, Dick Simon said to me, looked me in the eye, and he said, we can do this. He didn't say, you can do this. He said, we can do this. We can and do this. Yeah, that well, it's a team sport. <laughs> incredible. So this is 1988. Yeah. The biggest challenge is that now I'm a factory driver for Ford Motor Company. I get a new contract with Ford to continue racing their sedan. But I yeah. have now planted a seed in my brain and in my heart. I want to go into car racing. I want to be able to do this because I have a team owner who said we could do this. You know, when you think you have the elements, at least some key elements in place, desire, potentially talent, now that I put my butt in that car and drove well, and a team owner, I'm like, okay, we can make this happen. The biggest challenge I've ever faced in my racing life, and probably in my life, was figuring out how to make it happen, because I had to raise the money. And so it took four years and 150 people said no to me, whether it was in writing or in person from meet- at meetings or a letter of wow. rejection or yeah. no response at all. So four years later, um, JCPenney said yes, not to the whole budget, but to enough of the budget that Dick said, okay, well, that amount of money will get you through rookie orientation. And I know that you're going to do so well that the rest of the money will come. Four years, 151 transactions or, you know, conversations or whatever you want to call them. It was the biggest challenge I've ever had. And I'm so glad I stuck it out because obviously not only was I successful at running Indy that year in 1992 and getting Rookie of the Year, but I went on to, and I mean, I was 45 years old. So that's why I kept saying I was running out of time when most drivers are considering retirement in their mid-40s. I was literally a rookie at Indy, still hold the record for being the oldest rookie in the history of the Indianapolis 500, and went on to run seven more Indy 500s over nine years and 15 Indy car races. So I literally was able to, the way I felt about it myself, I was able to kind of re, you know, rebirth, reborn. I was progressing at a new level, at a higher level, at a very late in my age, but not in my in my career. What a story. I've got goosebumps. And there's a really important lesson here that I think listeners who are 
that face rejection and don't handle it well that I think we should elaborate on just for a moment here. I would love to get your opinion. When when somebody's trying to start something, it doesn't matter what it is, raise money for something or start their own business or land clients or a salesperson or whatever, some people face rejection fine and other people have a real, real big challenge with it and it defeats them very, very quickly. What's one bit of inspiration you might offer somebody out there so that they have the fortuitousness, the stick the resilience to bounce back from those no's to get to the yeses. That would be a whole complete <laughs> a whole complete show. show? Well, yeah, have you, I'm going to have you back share, for that. <laughs> but, I'll share, but I'll share you one piece just to show you how hard it is. In November of 1991, so now we're talking, you know, we're talking at the very end of 1991. I raced it in, the, in May of 1992. So we're talking about six months roughly before I actually put this together. I was so desperate and so dejected and so frustrated. I, I was finally saying to my, my inner voice, you have to listen to your voice and I'll tell you more about that later. And my inner voice finally was saying, Lynn, you got to give this up. You're 44 years old. My birthday's in March. So my birthday became, <laughs> I turned 45 just before May. You're 44 yeah, years happy old. birthday, by the way, because I'll, <laughs> I'll let our listeners know we're actually recording the show the day before Lynn's birthday. So, uh, and Lynn and I are both heading to Southern California to to be on the celebrity stage for the uh, classic auto show. So we're going to get to see each other, but uh, happy early birthday. And in the case of when the show runs, happy late birthday. The whole thing. But I'm trying to put the framework of timing. So November of 1991, I am finally at the bottom of my, and my inner voice is saying to me, Lynn, you've got to give this up. You have to, you know, everything that I've ever convinced myself I could do, I've pretty much been able to do. So I have great, some great comrades and peers and, and friends, and a lot of them are female athletes that I be, that I work, that I see every year at the Women's Sports Foundation. And their big gala is always in October in New York. So I'm with Donna Deverona, Nancy Hogshead, you know, these great other female athletes that are really good friends because through my leadership and, and exposure at the Women's Sports Foundation. And I'm I'm crying on their shoulder about what's happening and I'm going to have to give this up and I'm really dejected. And they said, Lynn, you need to go to this seminar. Um, and it's a landmark education seminar and this will help you, whatever. So I sign up for the seminar. I go to it in November and, and it, I'm there. I'm there with the purpose. Of, of reconciling that I have to give up a dream and I have to give up a goal. And it's all about commitment. It's all about forgiveness. I mean, they, like I had to go through four days of the most soul-searching process I've ever done in my entire life, all facilitated with another hundred people in a, in a room. And it's about commitment. And it's, but if you, it's hard to explain, but ultimately I raised my hand and after Working for all these days to give it up, I stood up and I said, my name is Lynn St. James and I'm going to race in the Indy 500. What I totally ended up doing was restoring my inner commitment that it was going to happen. And between November of that of that year of 91 and March of 92, I've been in meetings with JCPenney, but I didn't. I figured they were going to say no. I mean, people don't say yes or no right away, usually. They, they draw you through a process. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, J.C. Petty said, yeah. So I believe that when you sometimes have to go to the bottom of the barrel and you have to dig deep, um, and it'll test you as to how badly you really are committed to doing something. And yeah, so, absolutely. So. Yeah. 
You know, inspiring story. And I, I love to create inspirational memes that I put there out there on my Facebook page. And one of them is when you think about quitting, stop and think about why you started. And that will usually bring you back to that exciting moment at the beginning when you've been through a lot of dejection or rejection or whatever it might be. And it kind of refreshes. It resets, if you will, you know, brings yeah. you back. And that's a lot of, a lot of what this meeting you went to must have done for you is it kind of reset your inner spark and flame to realize I can do this. Well, the, I other, can do it. the other, the other thing that came out of that is you can identify everything that you have to be able to make what you want to happen happen. And we tend to sometimes assume those things and not really give them credit. The other thing, though, is that we don't focus enough on what's missing, because sometimes if you just focus on what's missing and and you can work on converting that into something that you have. So, you know, as opposed to the big picture, you know, it's not always the big picture. Focus on the little pieces that might be missing. That'll help get you there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I always ask my guests about a first special car. In your case, maybe the first special race car you ever got in. Was it that Indy car? Was that the first one you finally went, man, I'm I'm here. This is what it's all about. Or is there another one? No, I mean, I think really my first special car was the first time I really felt connected to a car. It's not really a race car. I mean, um, I mean, obviously, I, the Ford Pinto would not come to the top of my list, <laughs> um, which was my first race car. And I've had so many different race cars. I mean, it's just been amazing. But I think the first time I really felt connected to a car was my first car that I owned, um, which was the 1967 Pontiac Catalina 2 Plus 2. Cool. I mean, cool. you know, it was a heavy, big engine, you know, her shifter. I mean, it was a powerful piece of machinery and it was mine. And yeah. so it was freedom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. How about sellers remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned that you wish you had back? Same car. Same one, that Catalina? I I sold the car, put a down payment on a little house. You know, I mean, it was life got in the way. I actually went out and bought a stop (laughs) to have as a street car. I lived in Ohio, so it was a good car to have in the snow. But, you know, I I tried to change my life, and I I would just wish I had that Pontiac Catalina 2 Plus 2. Plum Mist was the color, yeah. Plum Mist? Oh, nice. I like it. (laughs) Well, I want to talk about what has you excited and fired up this year, because I mentioned early on when we got together today, about how busy Lynn is, and she's involved in a lot of things. I mentioned the RPM Foundation, Project Podium, Vintage Racing, Bonneville Salt Flats, Increasing Women in the Sports, Consulting on a Variety of Things, Motivational Speaking. I mean, you're involved with the Phoenix Art Museum. So what has Lynn St. James excited and fired up this year? Well, you mentioned a number of them, and um, and probably all of them, actually. But I have been totally surprised and excited about being involved as an ambassador with the RPM Foundation. You know, I'm so identified about women in racing, and I get it, and I understand it, and I believe in it. I'm not trying to, you know, run away from it, but that's not totally what, I mean, it's not the only thing I'm about. And I've always been trying to figure out how my blessed life of being exposed to so many variety of things, and and people particularly, that, that could benefit other people. And so um, when I became aware of this sort of void of what's happening in, you know, there's no more shop class, hands-on trades and skills are, are being taken out of our, of our education system. And I'm on the board of Kettering University, one of the top engineering schools in the country. So I totally believe in education. And I know that we all have aspirational high, you know, aspirations of getting a great education and and have in being right on the leading edge of technology, I get all of that. 
but there's this gap that if not everybody's qualified for that or not everybody aspires to that, what happens to those that aren't? And and so the skills and the trades are kind of lost. And so a number of years ago, I was asked to speak to a group at the actually at the during auction week here in Phoenix, and it was about bringing shop class back. And so I said, well, you know, I've learned through the Women's Sports Foundation that the really the way you influence curriculum in the regular local level of schools is not it's not a top down; it's a bottom up. You've got to deal with all the school boards and. You know, and, and so bringing shop class back is a very difficult thing. I've learned this through trying to bring sports back into the, you know, school system. So anyway, um, I've learned that my knowledge through the automotive industry and my knowledge of working with the Women's Sports Foundation in the area of advocacy for women's sports is that I've now actually been able to apply those two things together, automotive and, and education, and really help the RPM Foundation, which stands for Restoration preservation and mentorship. So we're now working with educators, we're working with um, the owners of shop classes, and then we're reaching out to young people to help them understand that there is really, this isn't just a a grease monkey kind of job. This is really a a craftsman and an artisan that can work on old and preserve these old, beautiful pieces of history, which are these collector cars and also vintage racing cars and people that take these cars on rallies and you know, there's a whole industry that is growing, but the, not only are the vehicles old, but so are the people that know how to work on them. So it's been really a huge amount of fun, and it's given me an opportunity to, as I said, leverage my contacts and my knowledge and hopefully inspire young people or anybody who is like sort of maybe lost or realizes they have a desire to do something and they're interested. They have sort of heritage in their heart where they care about history and they care about, you know, vehicles. Um, and so I worked very hard on that project, as well as obviously with Women's Sports Foundation and the Project Podium to continue to be able to support and expose young female drivers and engineers who aspire to this particular category in an industry, but maybe don't understand. We don't know what we don't know. And often we just don't understand what it takes to get to be successful, and that we need a little bit of a lift up. And so that's what the Project Podium Grant Scholarship is all about. And then, of course, the car collector market, you know, has exposed me yeah. to going to places like Amelia, <laughs> Concours around around the uh, the country. So like you mentioned, I'm very excited about working with the Phoenix Art Museum, who are putting on a, an exhibit that will open in November of this year called Legends of Speed. And uh, it'll be 22 significant legendary race cars that have won significant races that are beautiful because it is at an art museum and that have great stories uh, about their drivers as well. It's actually fantastic what you're up to and what you're doing. And you're also out on the track doing some vintage racing still, right? Well, that that feeds my soul. <laughs> that keeps me happy. <laughs> yeah. The yes. other, yeah, all absolutely. the other things I love doing, but they're, they're work. <laughs> but when it yeah. comes to... You know, when I strap myself in a race car, there's just this sort of energy that I get and have to give, and then I get back, and oh, I love it. It's it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, fantastic. I'll remind our listeners, you can go to Lynn's website, lynnstjames.com, and if you're looking for somebody to come and speak and motivate, inspire, whatever it might be, Lynn and her team are out there. She's available. Uh, As we record this show, Lynn and I are going to be heading down to Southern California, as I mentioned, to the Classic Auto Show, where... She's going to be putting on, you're going to be talking with a bunch of women who work in the industry, right? 
Yeah, in fact, a number of them have already been on your show. But um, all of them, actually, yeah. Thanks <laughs> that's to you, right. yeah, <laughs> they have the ones that'll be in LA. And then I'm also doing. They're going to have another classic auto show in Chicago in September. So yep. I'll be working with them at that one as well. But it's it's you know it's great to just have an opportunity to you know expose other talented people who are out in the industry doing things and that and that yep. maybe we don't know about them and I. I try to know about them, and sometimes I'm I'm learning that, oh, I didn't know that person. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, that's the fun of what I do here. You know, after you're my 1,259th guest, and I've had a lot of celebrities and famous people, but also a lot of people who are doing fantastic things that are behind the scenes, maybe, and people don't know about them. So uh, that's the fun part of it for me. Absolutely fantastic. Well, Lynn, up next is the last lap before we put the pedal to the metal. Let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors that make this possible. Hey Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark it Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com, or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars yeah podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars yeah TV show? That's right. Cars yeah is now on MAV-TV. I visit some of the past Cars yeah guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MAVTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars yeah TV. MAV-TV is also available on DirecTV, FuboTV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MavTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Lynn, here's a very introspective question for you. If Lynn St. James woke up tomorrow and you were parked in the garage, manifested into a vehicle or a race car, maybe a skateboard or wagon, I don't know how you perceive yourself. I don't think it's going to be that, though. What would Lynn be and why? Oh, Mark, that's a tough one. I know, I know. But you know what? It kind of helps us delve into your mind a little bit. And it's not what you want to be. This is how you perceive yourself. I've listened to enough of your shows to know this. (laughs) I know. I always have to caveat people because we all want to be sleek Italian sports cars, right? I know. But I'm I'm kind of this kind of know, but I don't know. So I know what I... Okay. How I would describe myself in that. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm sort of that sleeper. I'm the one that doesn't really look fast, but really is fast. I'm the one that really ah. isn't that pretty, but really. But I don't know a car that sort of satisfies that sort of identity. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. 
I'm yeah. really at a loss at this one. Well, it's a tough question. Are you going um, to knock me off the show because I don't have the answer for this one? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> We're going to have to go now, Lynn. We're on to the next person who can actually answer my questions. Darn it. Um, well, let, let's, let's delve into this just a little bit because I want to kind of try to take you there. So, I mean, you're a workhorse, so the trucks come to mind. But you're no, a bit of a, a sleeper. Not a you're not yeah, a truck. Yeah. Okay, we'll get out of the truck. Well, how about, um, yeah, let's narrow it down a little further. Are you a two-door coupe or a sedan or a convertible? Well, I, I would be a convertible. Absolutely. And would you be a newer vehicle no. or a class, a classic? No, it'd be more of a classic. A classic. Okay. But it's got to have um, performance. See, that's it. It's got to yeah. have performance. It's got I a mean, big block in it. It's got to be fast. It's got to perform. That Catalina you talked about, they made those in convertibles. Yeah, but I didn't have one in a convertible, but I I, I have recently found okay. out they did make them in a convertible. But they're they that's big. That's kind of big. I, I like yeah. smaller cars. That's too big. See, okay. I, not that I like yeah. smaller cars, but I feel I like to sneak in and sneak out. You know, I'm the one that wants <laughs> to just be, you know, I want to be that... I don't know. I just like to be. Are you American car or a European car? Oh, I think I'm American. How about something like this? How about like a an early like a '60s pony car or a, a Camaro, but a, a Z28 convertible, you know, or a, a Mustang convertible, but a GT350? What about something like that? Oh, it's you're just, a tough one. <laughs> I know it just really isn't. I mean, you know, it's really funny because the car that I have. That would probably represent that is my Miata. I have a 1990 Miata, which is not American, ah, but in a way. But yeah. you know that car. When I'm in that car, it's all me. Well, you know, it's maybe because that's it's it. fast and it performs, yeah. and it's a convertible yeah. and it's small, and I can put it anywhere I want to put it practically. Well, and that's probably why I love it. Let's call you Miata today. Doesn't okay. mean you have to be one forever because you're always evolving and growing and changing. That's but true. Just for today, okay? Okay. <laughs> We got there. Whew. That was a tough one. <laughs> well, Lynn, we are entering the last lap. This is a place you've been many times. The white flag's out. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that Miata throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive or racing advice you've ever received? From Bobby Upser. Mm. My first Indy 500, 3x3 three three start. I thought, holy crap, I've never done a 3x3 three three start. Bobby yeah. said, Lynn St. James, you're a race car driver. If there's a hole, take it. If there isn't one, don't try to make one. Ah, smart guy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, you'll wreak havoc, especially. Yeah, you don't want to wreak havoc there, that's for sure. Now, how about a personal habit? Is there one that you have that you believe has contributed to your many successes throughout your life? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I used to do, and I still do not as much as I used to, but is at the end of the year, I would always create what I called a year-end gift. Sometimes it was a plaque. Sometimes it was a it was some type of a gift. It was a hard thing to come up with, but I would send them. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, to the key people at my sponsors and to my what I call my my key partners, my my board of directors, personal board of directors. But the, and it was always surprised them and it surprised and delighted mm. them. And if you want to maintain relationships with people, surprise, surprise and delight them. I love that. I've, I'm going to do that. I like that. That is a brilliant idea. It's a lot easier today because we have a lot more opportunity. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, speaking of resources, nice segue into the next question. Is there one in particular that you're really fond of? You know, Google Alerts. I've set up Google Alerts and it, they really every day, you know, and I can either delete, delete, or there's something there. I could go on and on about things that have come through my Google Alerts that have helped me be 
smarter and be proactive. Well, I'll share that with my son, Blake. He works at Google, so he always loves to get positive feedback on stuff they're doing well there. So uh, yeah, Google Alerts, I use those as well. They're fantastic. That way you don't have to remember stuff, so that helps too. Now, if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive or racing industry, living or deceased, who would that be? Well, this is a, not maybe automotive or racing, but it's not too far off. But um, mm-hmm. And there's two. I got to have two. Okay. One is Anne Merle Lindbergh, Charles Lindbergh's yeah. wife. Yeah. Down, you know? uh-huh. And partly because I've read nine of her books, which then also leads me, the other one would be Amelia Earhart. Um, ah. But that whole era, and, and it's just those are two people that, two women that just, are extraordinary and deep, complex, brilliant, artistic. I, I I just would love to have a drink. And wouldn't that be something? I think we'd have to have dinner. Is what we'd have to I'm do. I'm just gonna say, yeah, That's more true. than a drink. Absolutely. I know I have a copy of your book that you sent me, Ride of Your Life, An Incredible Journey, and you've written two others. Oh, by the way, and Car Owner's Manual. Is there another book? Now you mentioned one at the beginning of the show. I'm gonna have you. Mention that again, but is, would that be another book that you think our listeners should read? Um, yeah, I mean that. I, I definitely enjoyed that book immensely. I can't, as I said, I don't, can't remember the name of the of the writer. Oh, here it is on my bookshelf. I'm looking at my bookshelf. Jennifer James is who wrote the um, the quality of the success. Success is the quality of your journey. There's two books that um, I would really recommend to listeners, particularly from an ins- one on an inspirational uh, level. It's called The Magic of Believing. And it's Claude Bristol, and it was published in 1948. So I don't know if it's still available, but that was the most life-changing book for me, The Magic of Believing. For for others, for into into the racing world, and this is out of print as well, but I can't help it. I mean, you might be able to still get it used or find it, is Speed with Style, which was written by Leon, uh, Leon Mandel, which is the story of Peter Revson. It was also critically important in my racing career for my, in my mindset. Yeah, great books. Awesome. I've happened to have it both really, books. It really lets, it's an insight, not just into Peter Revson, but into the world of formula one. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Leah Mandel, awesome person. I mean, incredible person, uh, that, uh, did so much with, with his life. I mean, just absolutely fantastic. Well, I'll remind our listeners that you'll find links to all these books. And if they're books that are out of print, you know, there's just go to eBay. You'll find somebody who's willing to let go of a copy of these books. Get them on your shelf. Uh, very, very encouraging. And get get your hands on these books that Lynn St. James wrote, Lynn St. James wrote as well. Fantastic books. All right. We are up to the checkered flag. This is another place you've been many, many times. And uh, this question can be a bit of a doozy sometimes. Today, I'm going to buy you any car you want, Lynn. A collector car, something fun. But there's a couple rules to the game here. You know them because you listen to the show. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed here. And here's the kicker. It's the only cool collector car you can have in your garage. You've got to choose wisely, my friend. This one, I have figured out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, <laughs> well, good. That car would be a Delara Drada. Wow. Okay. Now, that's very unique. Tell, tell our listeners about that car. Well, Mr. Delara, who just recently turned 80, well, a little over, I guess, a year ago. You know, Mr. Delara, who is also the founder of Delara that makes indie cars and all types of race cars and has an amazing career. He's worked for Lamborghini. He looked for, worked for Mr. Ferrari, you know, so he's been integrated in the Italian 
production and design and building of of, uh, of cars, and particularly race cars. And so he his dream was to actually produce a streetcar, and he did. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. there's a limited production of those, and so it is truly a collector vehicle and a collector car, and it's a convertible, and it's absolutely fabulous. I saw it when I was in Italy a little over a year ago. So that's it, baby. Yeah. Oh, you're going to cost me. You're not a cheap date, are you? Holy cow. <laughs> this is, no, this is going to cost me a bloody fortune. You know, it's a really unique answer to that question. And, and I get so many different unique answers to that question, as you know. But uh, yeah, that one is pretty darn cool. I think you'd be very happy with the car. Yeah, and it definitely goes fast, too. So it clicks all the buttons. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Lynn, you have taken me on a fantastic ride today. Again, I want to thank you for returning. And thank you for capping off what's been a fantastic month here on Cars Yeah. 21 inspiring automotive enthusiasts, all of which are women. If you listeners have missed any of them, you can find all the shows on the Cars Yeah website, carsyeah.com. Um, go back and check it out. And of course, you can find uh, everything that Lynn has shared with us today on her show notes page as well. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that Delara Strada? Well, I think I think it's you don't have to see it to be it. You've got to explore and really listen to yourself. And and when you hear that voice inside you speaks loudly and you can't make it go away. I've had so many things where I try to talk myself out of something. And an example was my whole story about Indy. But, you know, if that voice yeah. speaks loudly and you can't make it go away, then you got to go for it. Listen. Yes. Listen to that interviews. Inner voice, it's almost always right. In fact, it usually is always right. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with your very active and exciting and inspirational life? Well, um, lindstjames.com is my website. And I am on Facebook. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as well. But to be really honest, I personally am not as... I, I get postings on those things, but they I get help with those. So Facebook is probably the... But Facebook is where I, I'm kind of always on there for a moment or two, trying to there tell people go. what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, you do. And it's fun to follow along in all your activities. Well, again, listeners, you can find all these links on the Lynn St. James show notes page on the Cars Yeah website, or just go to lynnstjames.com, her website. And again, if you're looking for somebody to inspire, to enjoy, to just be around, Lynn uh, is available. Check out her website. Lynn, hey, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your incredible life story with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Until you and I talk again, which actually will be in a few days down there in Costa Mesa, I'll see you down the road. So thanks, Mark. It has been fun, as always. Um, and I, again, congratulate you for your success with your podcast and now on also with your um, television show. So it's been fun. And I enjoyed it. Thank you. That means the world to me. Yeah, you can find me on Mav TV, Cars yeah TV, which is pretty darn fun. Take care. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. 
For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.